0: The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at Mm 512-836-0590. Now... Here are Todd and Oz. That's
1: right. The Wednesday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. And you can join us anytime you want. Use that number to call us or text us at 512-836-0590. We begin with the big stories. The Biden administration is preparing to announce major sanctions against Russia later this week in response to the war in Ukraine and more.
2: The reports of his death are further proof of Putin's brutality. It reminds us why our support for Ukraine is so important. Because Ukraine is fighting back heroically against Putin's continued brutality.
3: I told you we'd be announcing sanctions on Russia. We'll have a major package announced on Friday.
4: National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the administration Friday will unveil major sanctions on Moscow, aimed not only at further punishing Vladimir Putin for the Ukraine war as it hits the two-year
5: mark, In response to President Biden's direction, we will be announcing a major sanctions package on Friday of this week to hold Russia accountable for what happened to Mr. Navalny, and quite frankly, for all its actions over the course of this vicious
4: and brutal war that has now raged on for two years. Kirby says the U.S. has not determined how Navalny died last week in an arctic penal colony, but... We all would love to know exactly what what happened here,
5: uh, not... Setting aside the fact that regardless of the, uh, of the actual Scientific answer, Mr. Putin's responsible for it. Sagar Magani, Washington.
1: It is 534. Congress is facing increased pressure to take up the foreign aid package for Ukraine from the Senate. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. It is said that the Senate is
5: where the House's hot coffee cools, but the saucer may be at the other end of the table. It's going to be a grind to get the $95 billion foreign assistance plan through the House. The Senate okayed the package recently on a robust vote of 70 yays. But House Speaker Mike Johnson is taking a dim view of the bill. That's why the House might be where the Senate's hot coffee cools. It's not often that House members can bypass the leadership and deposit a bill on the floor, but there's a way to do it. The gambit is called a discharge petition, and here's how it works. If 218 members sign up, lawmakers can go around the leaders. Many Democrats might push to advance the foreign aid package, but there are plenty of progressives who aren't in favor of the bill at all. So certainly more Democrats favor a discharge petition, but no one knows what might constitute that particular universe of votes. Therefore a discharge petition certainly needs substantial GOP support. This is why there have only been two successful discharge petitions in the House in the past 22 years. With the Speaker's Lobby,
1: Chad Pergram, Fox News. It is 535. Former President Donald Trump on Fox last night in a town hall meeting. The former president covered an awful lot of ground, including his ongoing legal dramas and the continued presidential run of former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who he says actually wants to quit the race but doesn't know how. In the meantime, the former president said his likely opponent in November, Mr. Biden, isn't all there, despite having a compliant media attempt to hide his shortcomings. As for his massive fine in New York following a state fraud conviction which is under appeal, the former president said the case is
5: frankly tantamount to organized election interference. He accused the judge, in
1: fact, and the AG of the state, of trying to damage him to hurt his election chances this November. And the former president stating that he would be open to a debate with President Joe Biden. Ahead of the 2024 election, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem comments on the upcoming election and the U.S. being invaded. Today I announced I was
6: deploying National Guard down to our southern border for the fifth time. I was the first governor in the country to do so several years ago, recognizing what's happening and what Joe Biden's doing to this country. So listen, we, it's Let's get real, leadership has consequences. It matters who's in that White House. It matters who's in these governor's offices. It's all hands on deck and we need to win this election.
1: Meanwhile, crime is, uh, grow, uh, continues to grow in some of the sanctuary cities as we hear from newsman Matt Finn.
0: Chaotic video shows a group of NYPD officers struggling to arrest a man inside a migrant tent shelter on Randalls Island last week. Fired up residents pelt these officers with backpacks, cushions and water bottles. Police say they were called to this scene last week when an unidentified suspect got into a verbal fight with police and refused to leave, forcing these officers to try to physically remove the suspect. He was ultimately arrested for trespassing. Also in New York, a 45-year-old Amazon driver was charged by police after he tried to fight back after an alleged 26-year-old drunk illegal migrant exposed himself to the driver and tried to
1: steal packages, Yeah, it is 5:37 uh, here at KLBJ. Police say that illegal alien was charged with petty larceny, public lewdness, and alcohol consumption on the streets. It is 5:37. An 11-year-old girl from Texas has now been found several days after she went missing. It was an
0: announcement the small, rural Texas community of Livingston feared the most.
3: I sadly announced that Audrey's body was located at the Trinity River on the U.S. Highway 59.
0: 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham's body was pulled from the Trinity River near her rural hometown outside Houston.
3: Trinity River Authority slowed down the, the outflow from the uh, the reservoir, and it allowed the water to go down, and, and her body was discovered uh, there in the water.
0: Polk County Sheriff Byron Lyons says the suspect, 42-year-old Don Stephen McDougall, gave some information to investigators who were eventually led to the girl's body
3: with other evidence and tips from the public, and then yes, there was some points uh, where he did give her information because there were several places that he said that he had went. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a location where he said he took her, but that was a, a incidents where he said these were locations where he had gone.
0: McDougal already in custody on an unrelated charge. At
2: this time, we believe the appropriate arrest warrant is going to be for capital murder in the death of Audrey Cunningham. He is currently still in jail under an unrelated felony charge here.
0: Polk County District Attorney Shelly Sitton says her office stands with police in the search for justice.
2: The district attorney's office is going to stand right beside them and follow through. And we promise that you can assure that the district attorney's office will be just as dedicated to this case as every one of these law enforcement officers that are standing behind you.
0: McDougall said to have been a friend of the families and reportedly lived on a camper on their property. The exact cause of the girl's death still being considered by the medical examiner. I'm
1: Clayton Neville. It is 539. A jury has been selected in the manslaughter trial of former Williamson County deputies J.J. Johnson and Zach Camden. They were filming an episode of the show Live when Javier Ambler led them on a 22-minute high-speed chase into Travis County. He was later tased, handcuffed, and then died. A prosecutor say Ambler was a victim of the department's quest for ratings on the show. Attorney Ken Irvin, he tells views uh, the defense disagrees. Well, the
0: defense is that our
1: clients acted appropriately and in accordance with their training and the law. Opening uh, statements are set to begin Monday in a Williamson County courtroom. The Austin City Council is being pressed to find more money to pop into the residential rental assistance program. Community Displacement Prevention Officer Meredith Jackman administers the current program and says, well, they're running out of money come the month of May. This is a
6: critical uh, step in making sure that households do not face Eviction, And so we really seek to be pro, um, proactive with this
1: program. She says there are more than 7,500 applications still in the pipeline and not nearly enough money to help everyone. The city says uh, talks are underway to find more funding for the program. Councilman Chito Vela, he's vowed to make sure that the money is included in the next budget cycle it is 540. Florida police apprehending a suspect responsible for stealing an Amazon truck and leading officers on a wild chase. A workday ruined. I went to deliver a package and a homeless guy came through and
3: The man on this 911 call says he watched helplessly as a stranger sped off in his Amazon van. Police say 35-year-old Matthew Hodling was behind the wheel leading officers on a 20-mile chase. Hodling told officers he was lost in the neighborhood, so he took the vehicle to find his way out. Officers say they found enough meth in his possession to charge him with trafficking. That's in addition to the grand theft auto charge. Reporting in Volusia County, Chris
1: Lindsay, Fox News. It is 541. Tech giant Elon Musk says one of his companies is succeeding in the early testing of a device implanted into a human brain.
4: One of Elon Musk's companies called Neuralink has been working on implantable tech to interface humans with their devices. They just recently revealed a human test case underwent the surgery. And now Musk says that patient is not only fully recovered, but is moving a mouse cursor just by thinking. The tech is still in its very early stages and very little other information about the patient's progress, conditions or accomplishments are being shared publicly. The company did solicit patients. With various
1: forms of paralysis, Eben Brown, Fox News. Welcome back. It's 549. Another billion dollars in student loan debt is being forgiven by the Biden administration.
4: $1.2
5: billion in loans for nearly 153,000 borrowers is being discharged under new provisions of a federal forgiveness benefit.
4: We're providing real,
7: immediate breathing room from an unacceptable reality where student loan payments compete with basic needs like putting food on the table. Education Secretary Miguel
5: Cardona says those eligible have been making payments for at least a decade on student loans of $12,000 or less. President Biden's administration has approved debt cancellation for nearly 4 million Americans, totaling $138 billion. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News.
1: It appears there are several small business owners that feel that this year could be uh, a challenging one. About
6: 40% of small business owners think 2024 will be a make-or-break year, according to a survey by messaging service Slack of 2,000 small business owners, half of them in tech or retail. After dealing with the pandemic for several years along with rising inflation and a tight job market. Around 32% of respondents aren't sure they're going to make it through the year. Still 71% remain optimistic, but many are still facing tough issues like a volatile economy, a polarizing election ahead and declining sales. Despite those concerns, almost three quarters of business owners said they're taking steps to improve their business by expanding marketing efforts and exploring new technologies.
1: Hillary Barsky Fox. Fox News. Now with a look at Wednesday business, here's reporter Peter Schacknow.
4: Walmart and Home Depot are the two latest retail giants to issue quarterly earnings, and for now their fortunes appear to be on differing paths. Walmart reported better than expected profit in revenue and gave an upbeat forecast, and its stock hit an all-time high. What's helping Walmart today is what's helped it in the past, its focus on low prices. Sucharita Kudali, retail analyst at Forrester Research, says Walmart successfully drew customers in with that approach with groceries, and now it is doing the same with pharmaceuticals.
5: Non-prescription drugs, those OTC drugs, um, have grown almost 10% year over year from a pricing standpoint, so um, Walmart is able to really be able to take advantage of that, you know, kind of as you get into things like um, cold season and now allergy season, that's going to be something that's going to be um, absolutely helping their top line and their
4: bottom line numbers. Home Depot also beat Wall Street's estimates for sales and profit, but it issued a somewhat soft forecast. Brian Nagel, senior equity research analyst at Oppenheimer, says Home Depot is a well-run company and its issues stem from outside factors.
0: I'm still a big believer that a lot of demand pulled forward into the pandemic. And so we've just got to get past that. And then the other factor, again, not totally unrelated to that, is rates. In
4: my mind, one of the best, as rates moderate, when that eventually happens, Home Depot is really one of the best plays in retail because it's a very rate-sensitive type retailer, just given how consumers are driven to undertake spending. Investors will be focusing on another high-profile earnings report in today's session, chipmaker NVIDIA. The stock has been a Wall Street darling, more than tripling over the past year, but it has fallen the past three days. NVIDIA may be a victim of its own success, with the street expecting more and more after a series of blowout earnings reports. It is true that some of the market momentum has faded following the rally, which saw both the Dow and S&P 500 reach multiple record highs last week's losses broke a five-week win streak and stocks fell again yesterday as the shortened trading week began but all that may be a good thing according to j.j Kinahan, ceo of ig north america
1: i don't think investors are overly bullish you know we talked perhaps maybe the market's a little bit frothy etc what you're not seeing is individual investors going out and just i have to be in all in there's no there's no fomo at the moment and i think
4: that's really healthy for the market The most hopeful sign comes from the latest batch of corporate earnings reports, with 80% of S&P 500 companies beating analyst predictions and forecasting better-than-expected growth rates. All that, say analysts, a reflection of a still-growing economy. That is newsman Peter Schachnow reporting. Bucky's
1: is eyeing a new location in central Texas.
4: The Texas company known for its rows and rows of gas pumps and its really clean bathrooms is considering a 74,000-square-foot travel center in San Marcos. The 22-acre site would be on the southbound side of Interstate 35 and it would include 120 gas pumps and capacity for more than 100 electric vehicles to charge up at the same time. If built, Bucky says it would create 175 new jobs the company is waiting to hear about financial incentives from the city of San Marcos and as newsman Russell Scott reporting
1: it is 554 there's a new study that shows virtual reality can help
4: improve the health and the well-being of the elderly
0: Fox on Games, your
1: insider's cheat code to gaming. Good
4: news surrounding the use of virtual and augmented reality. In a recently published Stanford University study, they find that older users between the age of 65 to over 100 really found a benefit of using virtual reality, with the study saying there was an improvement in their emotions and interactions with others. 79-year-old Ann Selby of Florida was one of those studied. Stimulated virtually every area of my brain. The study is attempting to find out if adapting virtual reality would be beneficial to seniors, and Mind Immersive is a company leading the way. CEO Chris Brickler. That can bring back a tremendous amount of joy, a tremendous amount of memories. Brickler also says they're looking to connect the technology to Google Earth, so that seniors with memory disorders like Alzheimer's and dementia will be able to visit locations They were familiar with in the past. The biggest complaint seniors in the study had about VR? The headsets were too heavy. Eamon Dignam, Fox News. The Todd and
0: Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Yeah,
1: 605 here on the Todd and Oz Show. You could join us, too, at 512-836-0590 here on the Wednesday edition. Vandy, our producer, of course. He's here. Then you can jump in anytime you want. Early voting is ongoing. Yep. One day into it, and there's already a lot of buzz around the Travis County District Attorney's primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Democrat uh, challenger Jeremy, uh, uh, how do you say his last name? Celestine. Celestine. I think that's important for people to understand. Celestine is how you say it. And uh, and apparently gaining a lot of reports among uh, Republican donors who view the incumbent Jose Garza as a rogue, soft-on-crime prosecutor who's more focused on going after police than actually enforcing the law. Well, Garza, he spoke with CBS Austin. He thinks it's all dirty politics. It's not surprising that um, Republican voices, um, that, that
0: pieces of the Republican infrastructure um, are working to influence a Democratic
1: primary in Travis County. It appears we have free rent space in his head. Well, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be hearing the criticism feeling the pressure. Yeah, Jeremy also spoke with CBS Austin. He says he's running. Oh, by the way, he's a Democrat, too. Yes. And uh, he's running because, well, victims are desperate for justice that they're not getting right now.
5: We know that there are cases that are waiting in the wings, and that's justice denied for them because they've been waiting for so long. But that also leads to bad outcomes. So we need to clear that backlog so that prosecutors can focus on the cases that they should be focused on instead of triaging. The thousands of cases that are waiting in the wings.
1: I think this is one of the biggest races we've had in a long time in Austin politics, yeah. Travis County politics. Yeah. Because uh this will definitely uh well this will determine the uh the direction of public safety going forward. I think it will and and I think this will have a real big impact on the sort of the future of staffing at the austin police department that's what i mean yeah. yeah the future of public safety going forward yeah yeah it's it'll send an incredible message if uh d.a garza wins again
7: absolutely now think about this we' you know we're, we're travis it's travis county texas we shouldn't have a district attorney in travis county in the state of texas who makes international headlines mm. for bungling so many things mm-hmm. and 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 prioritizing the criminal over the victim you know he he, he claims that he cares about the victim but you heard, you heard uh, I mean, there are thousands of backlog cases. We've heard of all kinds of, of families and victims'
1: families who've got no justice from this guy. Sure. Yet, but he sure goes after cops real quick, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, Garza, He, he he's, uh, but Garza's critics uh, stretch well beyond the Republican Party. Now you got Democrats mm-hmm. that are starting to speak out against him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty interesting. That several of the city council members have already come forward to endorse Garza. Mm-hmm. Chito Vela has. Uh, a couple of others have. Not all city council members have, though. Uh, as to who they would vote for. Uh, Jump in here at 512-836-0590. I think this is a big, uh, important message that voters uh, could send to the the rank and file at APD and just public safety in general.
7: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even uh, even Elon Musk appears to have sort of weighed in on this, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, basically urging people to get out there and vote against Jose Garza in the primary. And uh, and I mean, it's that says a lot, you know. When you when you got a guy that's that's that unliked, except yeah. uh, except among his little echo chamber.
1: Listen, uh, did you get a chance to watch uh, Fox News last night? Uh, the former president Donald Trump in a town hall d- discussion. Uh, they touched on on many issues. Uh, they talked about debates, border security. And a whole lot more, including, uh, well, the town hall was held in uh, South Carolina.
5: The former president promoting his record on jobs and securing the U.S. southern border, telling Fox's Laura Ingram.
3: We had the safest border we've ever had. Now we have the
5: most unsafe,
3: we have the worst border in the history of the world.
5: Comparing the $354 million in damages he's been ordered to pay in his New York civil business fraud trial to communism. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference. Suggesting if he wasn't running, he wouldn't have any of these lawsuits. His remarks in Greenville come as challenger Nikki Haley has vowed to stay in the GOP race. And as President Biden is fundraising for his reelection campaign in California. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. All
1: right, let's open up the phones because there's some uh, interesting opinion about uh, Donald Trump this morning from the former Ohio governor, John Kasich. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of been a critic of Donald Trump sure. since the very beginning. Uh, he ran for president in 2016, didn't get very well, uh, didn't do a very good job. Well, he says he uh, he recently had uh, a conversation with a very well respected pollster. Uh, I want to you know throw that out there first. So, grain of salt, right? Okay. And uh, and I just want to get your opinion on this. He says that Donald Trump, the pollster, does has a real problem going into 2024. And he says it's uh, the the church community, the religious community. Hmm. The evangelicals may be turning on him is what John Kasich and this pollster had to say. I want to tell
5: both of you that evangelical voters are beginning to debate and question their
1: support of Trump. There is a definite split among that community. I can tell you that in the
5: state of Michigan, uh, he is now being hurt and trails Biden because of the fact that the evangelical community is saying, we don't think this is our guy. I don't know whether he can shore that up again. I don't know if this has been said on the air before, but the information that I have from a very well-respected pollster is
4: evangelical voters are saying some of them are saying enough is enough It'll
1: be yeah what do you think about that uh, yeah have you heard anything like that i haven't heard anything like that no and i certainly don't believe that evangelicals are going
7: to say oh well i don't like trump so we're going over to biden and all of his no. abortion talk and no. all that stuff that's that, that's I, ridiculous uh, bravo sierra
1: that's ridiculous yeah. now they may be they may move support to nikki haley though now, that would make sense right but maybe if she, if, but if she doesn't make it you it's know true. to the general election Members of the Austin City Council Housing and Planning Committee, they heard, uh, well, they heard about the dire straits that many renters face in the area, not just uh, in Austin, but across the country. Community Displacement Prevention Officer Nefari uh, Jackman, uh, she told the committee uh, just yesterday that the program that she administers, which provides rental assistance to people facing eviction, is going to run out of money come May. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, dig deep. They need more money. She says her group operates an application portal for uh, people that are applying for rental assistance. However, she said, quote, we are close to the application portal because uh, we closed it rather because we currently have 7,500 applicants in the pipeline and we only have nine point six million dollars each week. She says uh, 50 eligible applicants are randomly selected based on geographic and income criteria. The highest priority is helping those with the lowest income, she noted. And, uh, and they're running out of money, she says. Mm. Well, they, I mean, they, they, there's far more financial need
7: than, you know, the means with which to get to dole it out. Here she is. This is
6: a critical uh, step in making sure that households do not face eviction. And so we really seek to be pro, um, proactive with this program.
1: Well, check this out. She, uh, she cited a, a report from uh, Harvard University where it says uh, climbing rents in recent years propelled U.S. Uh, cost burdens to a staggering new heights in 2022. Half of all U.S. renters are, quote, cost burdened. Uh, this all-time high, 22.4 million renter households spent more than 30 percent of their income on rents and utilities. And while rental markets are, are finally cooling, evictions have risen it says that the the country is seeing the highest homelessness counts on record, and the need for rental assistance is greater than ever before. Times are tough all over, apparently. So, 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 why is the city jacking up water rates? Why is the city jacking up uh, Austin energy rates? Why are they uh, Why are they pushing Project Connect on you that uh, jacked up uh, local property taxes some twenty five percent? All of those things. Make it more expensive to live. Sure, sure. Well, and, and then,
7: of course, let's not to mention the five taxing districts. That, that increase is probably usually as high as they possibly can under the law every single year. That mm-hmm. doesn't help. Uh, but, you know, I, when you look at what, what her figures that she showed there, I mean, just under 50% of the city, you know, un, under, you know, I guess, the, you know, certain metrics are considered cost burdened. Yeah. Which... That's a very high number, you know. I mean, for for you're going to tell me almost half of the city of Austin lives like you know. Well, cost yeah, that's,
1: well according to uh, the Austin Monitor, the share of renter households in the Austin Round Rock Georgetown Metro, the area that are, that are considered cost burden is estimated at forty seven point seven percent. That according to the figures, then that means uh, roughly ninety five thousand households. Are uh, are cost burdened according to uh, the Austin Monitor? Well, so the the, the program uh, it it selects fifty people a week
7: randomly based on geography and income criteria, with the lowest income the highest priority. So, I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of people around the city that need help. This program's never, ever, ever gonna gonna go their way. Mm. And, and so, you know, this is another one of those equity programs that really still only focuses. It doesn't. It's not really an
1: equitable program. Sure. You know? Um, well, not to mention, this is a college town, right? Sure, yeah. We have multiple universities where you have a you know a, a large young population. Uh, they're going to a university. It only makes sense that they'd be renters, right? Right, right.
7: But she's uh, Nefertiti Jackman. You know, she says that it's like a nine point six million or something's all they have left, and it's they need like thirty two or thirty six million dollars oh, or something wow. like that to meet all the needs. Uh, so, you know, obviously they're going to have to pump a lot more money into this because you know they're going to want to do it. Here she is. The
6: total dollar amount to serve those households would be roughly $32 million, and we have $9.6 million. Yeah.
7: So, you know, it seems like I, you know Cheeto Vale is out there, too, saying, well, you know, I, I tried to get more money into this year's budget for this program, and we need to make sure we get it into next year's. So you can almost be certain that they will.
1: Yeah, Councilman Chido Vela in the uh, Austin Monitor, he says he told his colleagues he remembered trying to get more funding into the budget for a rental assistance last year. He said he would like uh, the committee to uh, recommend the full council, the money uh, to be added to the budget to ensure that the program can continue through the end of uh, the budget year uh, in September. Assistant City Manager uh, Veronica Brisno was uh, in the audience. She told the committee there were ongoing conversations in the city manager's office about additional funding for this program. Yeah, so they want to keep it afloat through the rest of this year and
7: then make sure into next year that they don't run into this problem again. So, of course, it's going to require spending big. You know, and and this is on top of things like the $1,000 a month check. No questions asked, guaranteed income pilot program that the city has rolled out. Yeah, uh, you know all, all of the freebies that uh, the homeless are getting. I mean, we we're really footing a lot of bills for a lot of different people.
1: Well, I just I would like for some of these elected officials that continue to stick their hands in our pockets and taking our money because taxation is theft. <laughs> yes, indeed. To uh, to start picking words a little bit carefully when you're talking to free people as you're taking their money, right? I mean, they have such a negative attitude towards the paying customers at Austin Water and Austin Energy. Have you ever tried to call one of those lines, you know, to get some assistance? You know, things like that. It kind of rubs people the wrong way Mm -hmm. as you're taking their money and, you know, giving it to other people. Giving it to others and certainly not providing, uh, in in many ways, just the basic core
7: services that a a city who takes your taxes should should be
1: providing. How about a healthy thank you? How about that? Well, that would be nice. Would that be know? nice? Sure would. Yeah. Don't, I, I would not hold my breath in this town. But no, what they do is they create this division between uh, home ownership and renters, mm-hmm. between young and old, right? Mm-hmm. Gen Z versus the Boomers. Right. Things like that. Right. Uh, there's a guy named Greg Anderson. Uh, what committee is he on?
7: Well, I think uh, he I think was originally on the Planning Commission. He may still be on the Planning Commission. He's
1: very involved in it. He's kind of an activist here in town. He is. Here's what he tweeted out. Uh, this was yesterday afternoon in regards to home ownership and that sort of thing. Uh, Greg Anderson, uh, and in fact, at Walkable Austin is his ex uh, right. account. Right. He says, massive demand for housing from Gen Z and millennials, yet the boomers with no kids own twice as many large homes. Uh, this is a policy failure. That's evidence. Let's empower seniors to downsize and promote more housing types in our city. How do you empower the seniors to sell their homes and downsize? I think that's Bolshevik code for force. Careful, I thought you cussed there for a second. Sorry,
7: uh, but it is that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just you know, it's a it's a very anti-capitalist. Uh, anti-free society way to look at, hey, let's force, let, let's let's coax the elderly to move, to sell their homes because we we believe that there are others who deserve them more.
1: He tweeted out, uh, and this is at walkable Austin, Greg Anderson's ex-account. He says, check out this graph illustrating the staggering rise in housing costs. If someone can't afford rents, all of the other issues worsen. We urgently need the market to construct millions of additional homes. And relying on decades-old zoning, that's just not going to cut it, he says. This guy is—I mean, he sounds know, like he wants something more than the upzoning of single-family lots. Yeah, yeah. He was a big, big—I
7: mean, one of the loudest voices I would see on social media would be him. You know, inter, when that that home initiative, he was yeah. a big fan of this, and of course, you know, he he uh, defended his his uh, position by anyone who was opposed to his his stance was a a, a nimby. You know that mm. that
1: that's his his favorite little comment. You know, oh, you're just a nimby maybe you got to get a little more creative. Seems kind of rude, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, it seems kind of rude as you're asking for the taxpayer's money and then you insult them at the same time. Yeah. And, and I've said this for years. If you, if you dumbass progressive lefties would just change your tone a little bit, you'd probably get whatever you want.
7: Yeah, yeah. It probably, it, it, I, I, you would go a lot farther, that's for sure. What's the old saying? You catch more flies with honey?
1: Yeah, so, yeah. maybe so. Listen, uh, 13 Republican senators, they're urging uh, GOP leader Senator Mitch McConnell... Uh, to force a formal impeachment trial of uh, President Joe Biden's pro-immigration border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas. Mayorkas was uh, impeached February the 13th for refusing to enforce the nation's border laws. Uh, but Democrats and some pro-establishment GOP senators, well, they're hinting that they will ignore the House's indictment and will not conduct Mayorkas's trial in the Senate. Now, uh, there's also an effort to make sure that Kamala Harris presides over that trial. Mm. That's pretty interesting. The border czar herself. That would be quite juicy. 632 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can join us too at 512-836-0590. You're probably seeing this story that's been circulating on social media for a couple of days and is uh, making uh, some news headlines. It's an Indiana couple that is appealing to the uh, Supreme Court after their child was taken from them after they refused to refer to him as his uh, preferred pronouns. Utter insanity, really. This is unbelievable, actually. Yeah, the Indiana Department of Child Services investigated the parents Mary and Jeremy Cox and later took their son after they refused to refer to him as a girl. He was taken. He was placed into another home uh, that affirmed his gender identity. Wow. Uh, Jump in here at 512-836-0590. Now the parents have uh, filed a petition with the Supreme Court asking for the case to be heard. Uh, do it now. Get this behind this family. What a tragedy this is. I I, I can't I can't believe that this
7: is this is even real. Uh, I mean, you've got so they're Catholic. This couple, you know, uh, Mary and Jeremy Cox. They're they're, they're Catholic, and uh, they're I guess after uh, upon completing the investigation, the state found that that the Coxes the, the allegation of abuse against the Coxes were unsubstantiated, mm-hmm. but still argued that this disagreement over gender identity was too distressing to the child. This is amazing. This is so shocking. So now we have a state, the state of Indiana, that has taken children over pronoun, a child over pronouns, that, that, that the Catholic parents refuse. Like They're like, look, I, I, we love you. You're our son. We're not going to play your little fantasy games, though, and pretend that you're somebody wow. that we didn't give birth to. This is amazing. And the state says, well, you have no rights then. We'll take your kid right
1: out. We'll snatch him like a rug right I'll out will be honest. You. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how they took the child. Did they have law enforcement with them? They would You're have not going to come at my home and take my child. They would have had to have. Right?
7: I mean, you have to assume at least there was one armed personnel in that home.
1: Here is uh, Mary and Jeremy Cox.
6: We unfortunately had to become reluctant warriors when our child was removed from our home after DCS became involved in our family life.
2: Man. When our son was removed, it was like someone pulled the rug out from underneath us. Um, as a father, I believe one of my main goals is to keep my children safe, and I can't do that when the state comes into our house and takes our kid because we can't in good conscience affirm his transgender ideology. His disappearance made a, a huge hole in our hearts and our family. but we will always love him and pray for him
1: man what a shocking story this is just bizarre this is bizarre world yeah man. and one of the you know one of the other arguments
7: here uh, or, or uh, rulings by the court is that you know like they said that there was no there, there was no substantiated claim of actual abuse here but because they've refused to refer to him as her and uh, whatever this guy's pro, his boy's pronouns are they made this boy's eating disorder which he already had mm. worse although come to find out that eating disorder got even worse after he was placed in this gender transition affirming home
1: that he was put into i, this is don't, I just don't it's just this, this is this is this is way over the line this is way oppressive this is this is truly disgusting i think this
7: is uh, this is what a lot of parents fear nowadays that sooner or later the state is going to step in because they heard in, in some public school classroom that, I, that, that you know, I was refusing to refer to my son as she, her, or, or whatever. Uh, I, I think a lot of parents nowadays worry about that very thing, and here we have a precedent set for it in the state of Indiana.
1: Mm, man, oh man. Well, uh, according to uh, the Indiana Department of Child Services, Mary and Jeremy Cox are appealing to the Supreme Courts after they were investigated by the Indiana officials uh, for refusing to refer to their son using uh, his, uh, his preferred pronouns. How old is this child? I uh, have not seen here. I haven't uh, seen an age aid. of the child in the story at all. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, jump in here five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Pursuing the case on behalf of the Coxes, uh, they do have an attorney that's uh, that's part of this uh, that is uh, arguing the state courts allowed the Indiana to keep the child from living in his parents' home mm-hmm. due to a disagreement with the child's gender identity because of their religious beliefs. Uh, I'm not even sure why that has to be part of the story. Their religious beliefs. Well, because uh, so they were at, at the time they were visited, uh, li- limited to
7: just a few hours a week for visitation, and they were barred from speaking to them about their own religious views on human sexuality and gender identity. Mm. So you know that their 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 Catholicism is it's to some degree you know relevant in in this because the state has a problem with it apparently. Man, this is so oppressive. I mean, this is this is this is disgusting. Yeah. And if it can happen in the state of Indiana, certainly could happen in, say, Travis County in Texas, right? I mean, somebody here, somebody listening right now thinks, well, Indiana did did the the right thing.
1: Did the police and child protective services come and take the child from the home? Really? They would have had to. I mean. Shame on them. Unless they snatched the kid out of of school or something. That is wild. Well, uh, this was back in uh, in, uh, in uh, 2021. uh, jump in here five one two eight three six zero five ninety. I wish I knew how old the child was in the story, but the story I'm reading does not indicate the age. Yeah, I was I was digging through another one too. Uh, uh, same same here. Uh, they don't have the age of this child. All right, let's squeeze in. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Steven's Stevenson, Ron Rock, this morning. Hey, Steven. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. This is disgusting. I mean, we have already the government getting married with women because they don't want to
7: grow up their children with their fathers. Now we have the government coming in and taking the children away
5: because children have feelings on their pronouns. Well, flat news. Pronouns
1: don't have feelings. That's one. <laughs> there you go. This is this is insane. Thank you for taking my call. It's guys. crazy, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Is it uh, Vinny in North Austin? Good morning, Vinny. Good morning, guys. How yeah. you doing today? Great. Yes. yes, good morning. Good. I'm just saying that not for nothing, I mean, nobody's looking at this and taking a child away when we all know that this is a mental health disorder, mm. that basically nobody's addressing the mental health when there's only two genders in this world. When you dig us up, when everybody passes away and we dig up from archaeology, we're going to see that you either are male or female. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to ask yourself what the definition of a woman is. Mm-hmm. Female, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I support everything you guys are doing on that show, and I really appreciate. It. I listen to you guys every morning. Thank you, Vinny. And uh, appreciate that. I hope you guys most success in, in your job. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks appreciate Vinny. Appreciate you. that. Thank you, Vinny. Woo-hoo-hoo! It is uh, six forty. I-, I love the way that the that the medical community the medical community calls this gender affirming care. It sounds so nice, doesn't it? It's gender. It's gender affirming care. It's mental health affirming. Care. What you're really talking about is hormonal therapy for children and sexual reassignment surgery. Right. That's what you're talking about. Well, and, and you know, the, these parents back in
7: 2019, I guess, is when they, they were first told that their son was a you know believed he was a girl, uh, and and so they, I guess. He, and they said by that time, he already had other underlying health, mental health conditions wow. and that eating disorder of which they had already sought some help for. So there were there were signs already that, uh, clearly it's more than just he's really a girl because he's not. And, you know, on a similar note, you hear that story about that that college uh, St. Phillips College professor down in San Antonio.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got his job back. I, I he think, did. OK, so catch everybody up to date on that one. He
7: was fired. He's a biology professor. At St. Philip's College in San Antonio, fired for teaching students that X and Y chromosomes determine sex at birth. That's science, right there. It, it, yeah, it's it's biology. Apparently, uh, this didn't sit well with some of his students. They started uh, saying that it, it, this teaching was discriminatory. What? Yeah, because X Y chromosomes determine sex at birth. Anyway, he he has since been reinstated thanks to the uh, the First Liberty Institute, which is a law firm that defends. Religious liberty for Americans and and free speech and things like that. So he's back on the job. He's been reinstated. But he had to go through all this, you know, jump through all these hoops just to get it back simply because he taught basic human biology that we apparently deny in
1: colleges now. Yeah. Isn't that that cute that we've fallen so far? Melissa is checking in on Maynard this morning. Hey, Melissa.
6: Hi, good morning, everybody. How are you?
1: Yeah, good morning. What's on your mind?
6: You know, I I listen to you guys every morning and I enjoy the topics and I... Out of what we're talking about with gender identity, my curiosity goes to how much these topics are brought forward to create just dissension and, and total mm. compartmentalization. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, or, yeah, on yeah. a big picture. Well, there's no doubt it it, it does uh, it, it does make us tribal, doesn't it? We start sure. getting in groups, that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. divide us, sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the machine I, I, loves for us to be divided on these kinds of things, and. Well,
6: not just that. I mean, just for each other. I mean, as far as if we're all unified and we are all one of a being, you know, spiritually or what have you, all these things of just just keeping everybody separate instead of finding the similarities and Mm. the the abilities to really make those changes that we want. I mean, we've got kids, you know, all these things that have come forward, all the children that are missing, you know, uh, from COVID and... Mm. Gosh, there's just so much. I
1: apologize. I know. I hear um, you. I, I I hear you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for checking in. You know, I just uh, I did find an article. Uh, apparently, this uh, this child is now eighteen. Oh, all right. Now, has since turned eighteen, but was sixteen uh, when uh, the state came in and removed him from the home. Six forty nine. Here on the Todd and show. Join us at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. A tragic story is coming to a conclusion, at least a a little bit of closure for one family here in Texas. They found that 11-year-old girl that's been missing since last Thursday. She didn't show up to school last Thursday morning, and, well, now they have found her.
0: It was an announcement the small, rural Texas community of Livingston feared the most.
3: I sadly announced that Audrey's body was located at the Trinity River on the U.S. Highway 59.
0: 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham's body was pulled from the Trinity River near her rural hometown outside Houston.
3: Trinity River Authority slowed down the, the outflow from the uh, the reservoir and it allowed the water to go down and, and her body was discovered uh, there in the water.
0: Polk County Sheriff Byron Lyons says the suspect, 42-year-old Don Stephen McDougall, gave some information to investigators who were eventually led to the girl's body with other evidence and tips from the public.
3: And then, yes, there was some points uh, where he did give her information because there were several places that he said that he had went. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a location where he said he took her, but that was an incident where he said these were locations where he had gone.
0: McDougal already in custody on an unrelated charge. At
2: this time, we believe the appropriate arrest warrant is going to be for capital murder in the death of Audrey Cunningham. He is currently still in jail under an unrelated felony charge here.
0: Polk County District Attorney Shelly Sitton says her office stands with police in the search for justice.
2: The district attorney's office is going to stand right beside them and follow through. And we promise that you can assure that the district attorney's office will be just as dedicated to this case as every one of these law enforcement officers that are standing behind you.
0: McDougal said to have been a friend of the families and reportedly lived on a camper on their property. The exact cause of the girl's death still being considered by the medical
1: examiner. I'm Clayton Neville. All right. Uh, it's, uh, well, that is the ultimate uh, shocking story that families you know, are afraid of the most. The boogeyman uh, yeah. took their child and... What a horrific story, man. Huh? I really hate this story a yeah, lot. A,
7: yeah. a lot. I, I mean, you have just a, uh, you know, there it was this young child, innocent, you know, and just the thought of her, her last moments. That's she, that's how she had to spend her last moments. The fear. Yeah. And and, and probably the violation. Uh, only to, to to be, after she's passed, to just be dumped in the water, you know. Like he's throwing a rock in there or something.
1: Mm. Well, uh, some good old-fashioned general population in prison will be good for him. I think he'll get taught taught a lesson there. He might last a few days in Uh, prison. I would also support something along the lines of,
7: I don't know, have we ever flayed anybody alive recently? String them up in the town square? Love it. Love it. I hear
1: you. I know that sounds barbaric, but uh, sometimes you have to do barbaric things to uh, the barbarians.
7: This man lost his his, his right to to share oxygen with the rest of us. Man. Man, oh man. I just I hate that there's that kind of nastiness out there. I mean, you know, there's enough there's enough darkness in the world, you know, without you know casting it all over innocence like that on top of everything
1: apparently this guy was kind of a friend of the family and and lived in a trailer and mm. the property behind theirs or at the back of their property something like that kind of a friend of a family member and and, and took her to school a few times i think that he would babysit for
7: sometimes too. but he
1: was he was uh he was a risky character from the get-go yeah i think he has a swastika tattooed on him you know on his face or something like that and well and and i mean he's in he's in jail in custody right now on, a, on an unrelated felony so he's he's definitely not a uh, you know a, an upstanding model citizen. I wonder if uh, good old fashioned public executions would uh, would solve some of these problems. Does it? I don't know. I don't think so because he's probably going to be executed at least in prison by the inmates. Right. One can only hope. You would think, right? But not too fast. Uh, yeah. It is uh, six fifty three. I think we have too many things we want to do to this guy this morning, don't we? <laughs> we Where do we begin? We've got designs on some punishment, yeah. don't we? Hey, the uh the Leander School District has uh, has fired a teacher or placed on administrative leave. Or I guess I guess administrative leave. Okay, okay. Yeah, administrative, yeah. administrative leave. Yeah. Uh a teacher over allegations of having an improper relationship with a student. Now, uh, they a letter went home with parents I guess yesterday and it was very vague. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't mm-hmm. know if uh, this teacher is male or female. We, we don't know anything about a victim or anything like that. Uh, the district provides very few details, but they say the teacher has uh, has been fired over the incidents uh, this past Friday. Leander police are investigating as well, and the teacher is is currently on administrative leave. I'm not sure if that means fired, but administrative leave pending the outcome of an investigation?
7: Yeah, th- yeah. Well, let's see here. So it, right now, I guess it's just administratively, but the teacher has has been accused of something that a- apparently happened on on uh, on Friday. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess not not technically fired, but pro- but likely will be.
1: Yeah. What did you think about the letter that went on to parents? That was very vague. Something happened. That person is no longer on campus. Something happened, and we're looking into it.
7: I, I think parents probably would want to know a little bit more. I mean, it, you know, it just says uh, on Friday, February 16th, Leander ISD was informed of a possible inappropriate teacher-student relationship. The staff person in question was placed on administrative leave that day, pinning an investigation by Leander PD and LISD. There you go, yeah. yeah. And then uh, that's it. I, and then uh, the principal uh, Vincent Hawkins says, "I cannot comment on personnel." Math. We know what
1: school this is. This is Rouse. Okay, Rouse, Rouse High School. Rouse High school. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I'm sure parents know what's going on, right? So, I mean, yeah. these kind of stories circulate on campus pretty quickly.
5: The Todd and Oz Show weekday mornings, five to ten on News Radio KLBJ.